We are continuing our series in My Alter Ego. And I have a question for us to think about as we get started. And it's, do you ever find it difficult to connect with people? Do you ever find it difficult to connect with people? And the superhero that we're talking about today is Iron Man. Somebody say Iron Man. Iron Woman, there we go. Iron Man, and Iron Man is, I can't say my favorite superhero, but what's interesting about Iron Man in the the series of Marvel is that they use Iron Man to pretty much launch this idea of the Avengers. That's one of the most um, profitable movies and series uh, that has been around in the last decade. It's been definitely the most popular And Iron Man was the one that started it. And just to give a recap of my alter ego, about how we're talking about superheroes, everyone carries with them different sets of identities. In fact, it is rather difficult to be the same person to every person or group. These alter egos that we carry fit different areas and needs in life and the world. With many alternate versions of ourselves, the hero version of ourselves is most extraordinary. With that inner desire for greatness and the desire to make a difference, we make ourselves miniature heroes to feel better about not being the superhero that we would like to be. It's deep stuff, right? My alter ego. Talking specifically about Iron Man, Iron Man is the armored version of Tony Stark. Tony Stark is rich and uses his resources to fund his own super equipment as well as others. He even takes Spider-Man under his wing and helps him as a mentor in becoming a responsible and useful superhero. Tony wants peace for people and has a desire for justice. He wears an egotistical personality to cover up his emotional heart. Sounds like a lot of us, right? He genuinely wants to establish a line of right and wrong in the world and even a line of right and wrong for superheroes. Let me read y'all this verse in chapter, uh, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. It says, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are the one, uh, you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? I want you to imagine this scenario for a second. There's like a dramatic pause right now that the disciples don't know what to say. It's kind of silent, awkward. And then Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about it. Talking about Iron Man, I I really feel like a person that relates to Iron Man is Peter. Someone say Peter. Peter, Peter. (laughs) Thanks for saying it twice. I feel like Peter is always seen out of the disciples. He's always the one stepping up. He's always the one starting something. Even right here, Jesus is saying, well, who do you guys think I am? 
And everyone's all awkward and silent, don't know what to say. And Peter is one of like, well, you're, you're Jesus, you're the Messiah. So talking about Iron Man, I'm going to be relating Iron Man, Tony Stark, a lot to Peter, the disciple. So starting out, one first thing that we need to, to acknowledge about Iron Man is that he's resourceful. Resourceful. Someone say resourceful. Tony Stark is a resourceful human being in getting the job done. And not just because of his money, he has an I'll do it on my own mentality. Any of y'all have that kind of idea? I'll just do it on my own. If no one else does it, I'll just do it. And what helps Tony Stark is that uh, he has all the money to go with it too. But he just has that resourceful mentality where... Well, if I can't do it right now, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And throughout all the movies and the series, uh, you see Tony Stark always kind of leading the charge and trying to figure something out. He's a thinker. Trying to find a way to make something that's not possible, possible. It's, it's good to be resourceful, right? Maybe some of you guys kind of identify like, yeah, I, I, I feel like I usually figure it out one way or another. Maybe you're that person at work that ends up just doing everything by yourself. While everyone's still drinking coffee in the break room, you're out there doing the job. You ever see like the city workers working on on, like the road or something on outside? And there's usually one guy in the hole (laughs) shoveling everything. And everybody else is the manager or the supervisors looking at him. There's always one person that ends up doing the job of everybody else. There's a saying that 20% of people do 80% of the work. That's Tony Stark. And when Tony has it in his mind to accomplish something, he stops at nothing to finish it. Even if it means breaking relationships. You ever been trying to get out the door? You have it in your mind that you need to be somewhere at a certain time, and maybe the person you're with, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's somebody else, they're still getting ready or they're still finishing up. And even though you love that person and you have a strong relationship with them, in order to accomplish getting out the door, you start talking to them in a way that you never normally talk to them. You're not ready yet? Come on, we gotta go. You have a job that you have to do. And you're willing to to make them feel that pressure, make them feel like it's a make it or break it moment to be able to just get out the door. You know, there's one day I had this crazy epiphany. This revelation changed my life forever. I I understood something in a way that I never understood before. I always wondered when I'd go to church how come I never see any of the other leaders or pastors show up to church with their wives? How come they always drive separate? I just didn't understand. And then I always, and then all of a sudden I started connecting the dots. I was like, how come they always show up first and their wives always show up a little bit after? And one day it clicked. <laughs> oh, they want to avoid a fight. So they just drive separate now. (laughs) Maybe that's a reason, maybe it's not, but 
It's funny how we're willing to separate ourselves from others in order to accomplish something. Whether it's friends, whether it's family, we're, we're willing to, to just cut off something in order to gain something else. Maybe even to get a promotion at work. Maybe you've heard a story of somebody else putting, uh, trying to go around their friend to get their name in the hat, their promotion first. Or maybe the boss starts asking you about the interview you're getting for the promotion and all of a sudden he says, well, what do you think about this character? You're his friend. What do you think about him? And you're like, well, look, I love that guy. He's a great guy. But let's just be honest. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to take this position on, you know, the best. And you're willing to just kind of put yourself ahead of somebody else. Anyone ever know somebody like that? Maybe it's simple stuff, but the idea is good. I, would, I love people like that. I love people that can just get something done. It's like, hey, man, as long as it's done, I'm tired of waiting for something to be completed. I love having people like that working, uh, working on a job. Because there's a lot of times where you get the people that only, the 80% of the people that only do 20% of the work. Tony Stark is one of those guys that gets the job done, doesn't laze around, doesn't procrastinate. He gets it done and he gets it done well. But see, his independence of, I'll just do it myself, is coded with isolation from others. Often pushing people away from being too close. Sometimes we try to make ourselves out to be independent. I'm just independent. I'm just independent. But what you really are is you're trying to isolate yourself because you're scared to get too close to anybody. Is that anyone here? Yeah? You just blink your eyes. I can be like that. I totally have this idea that I just need to do it all on my own because there's part of me that's almost afraid if I trust other people to do this or trust other people to be in my life, there's this fear that they're going to fail. And I'd rather just have all the control myself so I don't have to have that fear anymore. And I, it's easy for me to, to not understand something or to be upset or if something's not done my way to naturally just push people away because I'm scared. Because I want to be independent. I want to do things my way. I gotta, I'll just do it on my own if I have to. You ever think that with your parents? Try, you want to ask your parents for help. You're going through a tough time. And then you just, I'll just do it on my own. See, sometimes we even, we lose out on opportunities to make something easier because we're so ready to isolate ourselves. We're so desiring to be independent that we make simple things more difficult because we want to just do it on our own. Iron Man's like that. And so is Peter. Let me read this verse for you in John chapter 21, verse 6 through 11. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter got all ticked off. He was upset at himself. He was upset at the situation. And so he went back to what he used to do, which was fishing. His disciple, the other disciples, his friends, didn't want him to continue to isolate himself. So they said, hey, let's just go fishing with you. You're going to do your own thing, but we're going to just go with you. And so while they were all out on the sea fishing, it says that Jesus rolled up and said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat. This is in John chapter 21. Verse 6 through 11. 
says, Jesus said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll, and you'll get some. You'll get some, get some fish. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were, there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples, uh, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, and that's John, by the way, John said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore and a boat a hundred yards isn't that bad. But swimming on your own, that's pretty tough. I don't, I don't even know if I could swim 100 yards and, and make it to shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Jesus made them fish sandwiches for breakfast. Bring some of the fish you've, you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There are about 153 fish and yet the net hadn't torn. So this is a really interesting scenario here. Peter, here's that Jesus is on the shore, something that he wants, he desires. And instead of waiting with his crew and rowing to shore, he, he jumped in and swam on his own. You know, it's like a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. He wanted Jesus so bad, he just didn't even think about it. He jumped in and started swimming. And yet it was so much harder for him to just swim on his own rather than waiting in the boat with his community, with his friends, and just row together as a team to get back to shore together. What did he also do? He left his friends when he could have been a helping hand to bring in the boat that had all the fish. See, sometimes when we want something so bad, we leave everybody behind and they're really actually picking up our slack. But we think to ourselves, well, it's because I'm doing this on my own to get this. But we don't realize how much harder we made it for everybody that we just left. And then when they get to the shore, is another thing Peter does. Jesus says, bring some of those fish. And without talking to any of the, his, the rest of his friends without the team, he just goes and does it himself. Man, I love that kind of initiative. That, I, I love a person that doesn't need to ask questions, they just see something that needs to be done and they just do it themselves. That's awesome. But 153 fish. Now look, I don't know how much each fish weighed, but a fish weighs anywhere between one and three pounds, right? Depending on what kind of fish they got. I don't know. Maybe I'm inaccurate. Even if it's just one pound. He's dragging 150 pounds by himself from water across the sand to Jesus. And I just think, man, this is so much effort that this dude is putting in. Because he is not, he, he's, he's so resourceful within himself. But he makes himself so isolated and independent that he makes simple things more difficult by just doing it himself. Y'all dig what I'm saying? If you watch any of the Avengers movies, I see Iron Man doing this all the time. Even the last movie that they came out with, Infinity War, Iron Man has this vision of Thanos destroying, killing everybody off. And so and rather than trying to make a team effort to put a plan and try to 
try to make something happen. He gets so scared that he thinks, I just need to do this on my own because I don't want them to get hurt. And he makes something that they could have accomplished together so much more difficult because he wants to do it on his own. Just like Peter, right? Just like you. Someone say resourceful. Another thing that Tony Stark is, is reserved. Reserved. Someone say reserved. Tony Stark's super abilities are found in the suit that he created. So many of us also find our worth and our accomplishments. We find our value in the things that we've done. Even people who, uh, who are healthy people that work out. So, so many times I go to the gym and the, some of the buffest guys seem like the most insecure people. And it's because there's this, this value that they have on putting all of their value, all of their identity and how they look and what they've accomplished and how much they could lift. There's people that have literally grown men huge that literally broke down and started crying because they didn't get to beat their max rep. Like that's like, I, like I totally get that. I get it. You wanted to achieve something and you, and you came short, but man, they have so much value in themselves based on their accomplishments. Maybe your value is based on of, of your education, your career. Maybe even your relationship with God is viewed on how good of a Christian you think you can be. And if you mess up once, you feel like all of that you tried to do with God has failed now. You have so much of your identity and your value based in your accomplishments. Another thing about Peter is that he's very similar. He's always working to try to prove to Jesus how much he loves him. When he's bringing in that net, when he's swam to shore, he's trying to show Jesus that he loved him so much. And it was right after Peter had made the mistake of denying Jesus three times when he's being led away to be crucified. His, his fears and his doubts caused him to go against something that he believed in. And it says after he brought, did all this work, worked harder than all the other disciples, that Jesus just asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he asked him three times to represent the three times that Peter denied him. And at the end of it, Peter was, he's reminded of his past and he still couldn't see himself as forgiven. And it said that he, he got extremely sad thinking that he wasn't worth God's love. That's what you can get out of those verses. See, Peter so desires to show his love for God by what he does. And the, the difference between Peter and the disciple John is John realized that it's not about how much he loves God, but about how much God loves him. And even in the book that John wrote, the book of John, he even describes himself as the disciple whom God loved. He realized that it's not about his accomplishments. It's about God's accomplishments. It's not about how much he loves God. It's about how much God loves him. But we're a lot like Peter because we, we're performance-based in our thinking. Tony Stark, his suit is a good analogy of the wall that he keeps up to protect himself from people. The whole suit of Iron Man is to protect himself. 
protect himself from people, from enemies. And it's also so symbolic of how he keeps a wall up between those close to him, between people. His egotistical personality is a front that he puts up so that he doesn't get too close to anyone. And you often see in the movies that he struggles with his relationships because of the distance he puts between him and even those so close to him. It's a lot like us, right? Put on our personality to make it seem like, no, I'm just so cool. I'm so chill that nothing's wrong with me. But deep down, we have so much emotion that we cover up, put all these walls. And we try to make, like, make it seem like everything's just okay, everything's fine, but deep down we know that we're really hurting. We're really alone. We carry burdens on our shoulders. And we're, this suit that we wear, this suit of happy, everything's fine, that suit that we wear... What it really is, it, it, it's symbolic that we're too scared to trust people. That's why one of our core values is victory happens with transparency. When you're transparent with another human being, it causes trust to be formed. But it's so hard to get out of the suit. If you ever watch one of the, those movies, every time I see Tony Stark out of his Iron Man suit, I'm just like, dude, what if someone just came up and hit this guy? He doesn't have a suit to protect him. What if someone just shoots him? He doesn't have a suit to protect him. That's the same way that we think. Man, if I'm not wearing my suit, then someone might hurt me. If I don't wear my suit all the time, then someone might get too close and end up hurting me. I might be disappointed. They may not, they, they may let me down. We just keep that suit always on. Never allow ourselves to get close to anyone. We're too reserved. We give off such a, we can give off such big personalities and egos in order to cover up our emotional heart that has been hurt. Pretending to be okay when you're not okay. See, Tony Stark, he's a lot like Batman in the Marvel Universe, except Batman wears his emotions on his face. He's like always sad, right? Batman's always depressed when you see him in the streets in his suits. But Tony Stark, he's always up. He's always, you know, high-pitched personality. He's always cracking jokes, always seeming like uh, important things are not a big deal, always being sarcastic. It's so funny, the different personalities. One just wears all of his personalities on his face, the other puts on a front. Because Tony Stark, his parents were killed when he was younger too. Only difference is he's, he, he, uh, he wears his suit of armor. He, the only difference between him and Batman is that Tony Stark hides his emotions through his personality. Someone say reactionary. This is the last point. Reactionary. Speaking to some of you guys today. Although Tony Stark is very intelligent, he allows fear to make a lot of decisions for him. Fear of the past repeating itself. Fear of his own past coming out in a relationship. Fears of failing Fear of others failing him or even failing themselves. Yes, you, you ever have a point where you had so much like hope in somebody and you saw so much potential in them 
And you had a fear, not even that they were going to let you down, but you just saw what they could be. And you thought, man, if they could only just like keep going, I know that they could do it. Maybe it's like a nephew or a cousin, brother, sister. And you're like, man, I just believe in them so much, but they don't believe in themselves. And oftentimes with those people, whenever we have any kind of control in their lives, we try to overwhelm them with control. We try to put so many things that we think will support them, but ends up just being chains on them. We start telling them like uh, rules that they should have. I, I, there's a person that I know that has family members that want to support them and want to help them, but they're so scared of them not being able to handle that kind of support that they're not going to be able to handle their lives that they end up being so controlling and their gifts end up seeming like attached promises or attached conditions. You ever have someone give you something with conditions on it? We do that all the time, not because we really want to control people, but it's because we have such a fear of them failing that we end up coming across as controlling. We, won't, we don't trust them to do their own thing. We believe in enabling them, but we don't empower them. Enabling is saying, you are allowed to enter this house. You are allowed to open this door. Empowering says, here's the key to the house. You choose when you come and go. Y'all get the difference? So many times we are so afraid of people failing themselves or failing us that we end up being so controlling and we only allow them to go so far by what we expect. But Tony Stark, he's reactionary. His emotions cause him to react against his judgment and character. In fact, because of his reactionary decisions, he often feels confused and doubtful about the decisions that he's made. You ever have a moment where you're like, I know that this is what I need to do. Yeah, I thought about it. This is what I got to do. I got to do this. I got to leave this job or enter this job. I got to move here. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to talk with this person. And then once you end up doing it, you go back like, shoot, should I have really have done that? Maybe I should have done it another way. Anyone here doubters their own decisions? Some nods, some solemn, sobering nods. I'm a doubter of my decisions. I doubt all the time. And oftentimes the reason that we doubt is because we start thinking back, man, did I just make an emotional decision or was that really the right decision? Is that just how I felt or was that actually really what I needed to do? We're constantly doubting and feeling confused about the decisions we make because deep down we know that even though we want to think about things and we want to make intelligent decisions, there's some times where we just make emotional decisions. Let me read y'all about Peter again in, in John chapter 18. This is when the soldiers came to take Jesus away to be crucified. And as the soldiers are standing in front of Jesus, Jesus says, I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I'm the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement of, I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your swords back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the father has given me? See how quick this turned around? Jesus is saying, he's literally in front of the disciples saying, I won't let all these disciples go. There's all these soldiers here. And the guy in charge is Jesus, right? 
And Jesus literally tells the disciples, y'all go on, get. You know, like when you tell with the movie Old Yeller, go on, get out of here. Get, go on, you dumb disciples, get out of here. <laughs> he literally tells the soldiers, let these disciples go. And after he says that, Peter draws his sword and does one of the most antagonizing things that goes against what Jesus is trying to do and slashes off one of the ears of the people there. You ever make some reactionary decisions that felt right at the moment, but it really was like the wrong decision? I, always, I, I strongly believe that the devil will never tell you to give anything except a piece of your mind. The devil will never tell you to give anything except a piece of your mind. And there's often us being reactionary people that we, we think maybe you've been in an argument before and you start imagining in your head, I just need to say this. And you imagine, you play it out in your head like, I'm going to say this and they're going to just be stunned. They're not going to have words to say back to me because it'll just shut them up. And if you've ever been a person that said it, it never shuts the person up. In fact, they just say something back to you. And then an argument forms. So how it usually goes in marriage, right? <laughs> you know, I just, and you're thinking about it for like five, ten minutes. Like, I'm going to just say this. Like, well, maybe if you weren't late all the time and you think that that person is like, oh, you know what? You're right. I should have got up earlier. <laughs> but that never happens. I'm like, what about the time that you did this? <laughs> It just turns into a bigger fight. It makes the situation worse. That's like Peter. It's reactionary. He thinks, I'm going to slash this guy's ear off. And then you're all back up like, whoa, whoa, we're not going to mess with these guys. Jesus, never mind. <laughs> Bet you at that moment, all the soldiers reach for their swords. And Jesus was like, whoa, whoa, sheath your, shor- your swords. Not just to Peter, but to everybody else. Says, put your swords back. I'm going to go willingly. Says, do I not drink from the cup of suffering I have to drink from? I'm going to go. So all the soldiers are like, all right, well, you better come on, get. Because that's how soldiers talked back then, like an old Western. (laughs) But it's so many times we, we make fast decisions thinking that's the best decision. We're so reactionary. Every time I watch... When I watch an Iron Man movie by itself, I'm just like, oh man, I love it. But whenever I see it, like an Avengers movie, a movie where Iron Man is not the main person, he's like a, one of many characters, and he's, in a, he's part of the team, not just solo, I'm always irritated with him. I'm always thinking like, what's your problem, man? Can't you just believe in the team for once? It's not all about you, Tony. And he, even the, my most like plagued movie, it just, I always, I've watched it multiple times just because it interests me so much is, is a movie, uh, Captain America Civil War. Cause it's Captain America and Tony Stark. Uh, I don't even see how much respect I lost for him. I don't even call him Iron Man. <laughs> it's Captain America and Iron Man. And they both have a disagreement. And I always think it's interesting what people say of which side they choose. Because I feel like the people that choose Iron Man's side are the people that 
are so much like him in making emotional reactionary decisions. And in that movie, he, he goes against some things that in previous movies and even it's things that they believe in because of emotion. They, if you've watched it, the whole reason he signs this Sokovia Accords is because of the emotions he felt from somebody that lost a child in Sokovia. You got really, this is going to be so much more meaningful for you if you watch the movies, by the way. But he, he makes an emotional decision for the entire team. A decision that affects every single person on the team because of an emotional experience he encountered. And even at the end of the movie, he's supposed to bring back somebody alive to face trials because his whole point is that we're not judge, jury, and executioner. That was Iron Man's whole thing. And when Captain America is defending his friend Bucky, the Winter Soldier, this is like the most nerdiest message you're going to hear. When he's defending him, there's a moment at the end of the movie where Tony Stark realizes under the mind control of the Nazis regime Hydra (laughs) that under his mind control, he had killed Tony Stark's parents. And once that is revealed to Tony Stark, he goes into an emotional rampage attempting to kill the Winter Soldier. And there's a point... (laughs) Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it this far... (laughs) If you haven't seen it this far, you've lost all your rights of spoiling. (laughs) And there's a point where he starts fighting Captain America, his very own friend. His very own friend that he fought alongside. He fights against him to fulfill the emotions of anger that he has at that point. And there's a point where Captain America starts trying to talk him down, saying, Tony, he, he wasn't in control. He was brainwashed. He wasn't able to control himself. This isn't right. We're not executioners. And Tony's just so emotional, upset. He just responds with quick sayings like, I don't care. Shut it. I don't care. See, do we ever get in those kind of rages? You're fighting with a family member, a friend. And they're even bringing up some good points in the fight. Haven't you done this to me? I'm just reacting the same way you reacted. And in your mind, like, don't care. No. Don't want to hear it. And we allow our emotions to drive us to do things later that we're confused about, that we're doubtful. We look back like, oh. And even at the end of that movie, you see that Captain America wrote Tony Stark a letter And you see him read the letter and he he just puts the letter down and you just see him thinking so deeply about it for a second. You could see the doubt in his eyes. You could see the confusion thinking, man, was that the right thing? The last thing I want to share is this verse. We're talking about Peter, talking about Iron Man. Let's I want to end on something that's so powerful about Peter as emotional as he is. As independent as he is, there's so many negative things about us that identify with Peter and Iron Man, but there's so many positive things as well. And I want to leave this verse with you. It is after Jesus had died and there was talk that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, that he may have resurrected. And in John chapter 20, verse 3 through 7, 
It says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the fine linen, the fine linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Why is this point so meaningful? John says that he showed up to the tomb first. He got there first. Why did he wait outside the tomb? Because in Jewish custom, you became unclean to be in the midst of a dead body. He would have been ceremonially unclean. It would have been inappropriate for him to have gone into that tomb. When Peter shows up late to the party, I just, it says that he just walks right in. He just sees John and goes into the tomb without even thinking about it. Why? Because he's a reactionary person. See, you see Peter making some, some emotional decisions, but Peter doesn't care about inappropriateness. He doesn't care about what may seem correct in society. He doesn't care about any of that. When he sees something that he desires, he, nothing will stop him to get it. And even though someone had more ability than him to get to Jesus first, when he got there, he still went above and beyond. And see, for some of you, maybe it feels like your life is like that, where other people have privilege and abilities to do things that are just easy for them, but you have to work so much harder to get the same thing that they have. You're so much more out of breath to, than them. But when you finally get there, you don't just stop. You go past that. We're all running a race in life and we're running a race in this world and we're running a race in the spirit. And each of us have different abilities that we're able to run at. But if we want to be like Iron Man, if we want to be like Peter, we go past the point that says finish line. We go past the point of ordinary. We go past the point of average. I'll tell you one thing. To end this whole message, that the ordinary Christian is not enough. The ordinary Christian is boring. The average Christian is impotent, meaning no power within them. The average Christian can go to church every Sunday. The average Christian can do all these normal Christian things. And it may be harder for some of you that just showed up to the party late. You feel like everybody's a, a step ahead of you as far as being a Christian. But if you're willing to just go inside, walk into the tomb, don't wait where everybody else is waiting, but go just a little bit further, even if you're late to the party. And you will be able to do more for God. You will have such a deeper and closer relationship with Jesus Christ than anybody else. It said that John could see a little bit from outside the tomb. 
But Peter went and saw everything within the tomb. And so the decision you got to make, and it's okay for it to be an emotional decision, is if are you willing to step into the tomb with Jesus? Are you willing to go into a more intimate and deeper place with God in your life? You may be an independent person. You may isolate yourself. You may be reserved. But none of that will stop you from engaging with the king of the universe to have a meaningful and powerful relationship with the one true God. And so I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, I'm ready to walk into the tomb. I'm ready to make a decision. I'm ready to have a meaningful relationship with God. I'm ready to experience that kind of power. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. See your hand. And so what I want you to do, if you raise your hand or if you've already prayed this prayer before, I want you to repeat this prayer after me as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I don't want to be average. And I don't want to be the same. I want to experience the true God the power of God, the real God. Forgive me of my past and help me to walk forward. I believe you're the son of God and that you died for me on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.